0: Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee
1: ownership.
2: Hello, my friends. Thank you for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. We have a very exciting new episode for you, which we'll get to in just a moment. First, I want to tell you about next Friday's minicast. A few weeks ago, I joined Clubhouse, which is an app for audio chat. I mentioned being able to listen or participate on a conference call with a couple of people, up to a few thousand people. I see an amazing opportunity to build an employee ownership ecosystem on Clubhouse, and I hope you'll join me on the Friday minicast to hear about it. By the way, if you're already on Clubhouse, look me up. I formed a club called, naturally enough, Employee Ownership. And my clubhouse handle is EO underscore Brett, with one T, which is the same as my Twitter address. Now let's switch to a recent minicast we did about Taylor Guitars. It was minicast episode 119, which, by the way, is available wherever you get your podcasts, and it's also available along with our entire archives of more than 275 episodes at www.esoppodcast.com, On Minicast 119, we talked about Taylor Guitars transitioning to an ESOP. Taylor Guitars is a well-known legendary company, and we celebrated their addition in the EO Sandbox. We weren't aware at the time of the incredible and unusual aspect of the financing. Meanwhile, the folks at the Democracy Collaborative, which published the excellent employee ownership news, which is edited and curated by Karen Kahn. They knew about the financing, and they've been providing it a lot of coverage. After our minicast came out, Karen reached out to me and facilitated the podcast you're about to hear. I'm joined by John Shell of Social Capital Partners and Marjorie Kelly of the Democracy Collaborative. John will discuss Taylor Guitars financing, and Marjorie will share why it's so important for all of us to spread the word. When we recorded this podcast episode, I was also able to record individual segments with Marjorie and John to talk about themselves and their organizations. We're looking forward to bringing you these segments before too long, either as individual episodes or combined into one. And if you subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, you won't miss an episode. With that, here's my conversation with Marjorie Kelly and John Shell. My friends, I've got a double treat for you today. There's only one thing that makes me happier than having a passionate advocate for employee ownership on the podcast, and that is having two of them. And be still my heart. We're at an international aspect as well. My first guest, Marjorie Kelly, you are with the Democracy Collaborative. We're going to talk a little bit about that and a lot about what you're doing. But good morning. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks, Brett.
2: And we are also joined by John Shell, who's the Managing Director of Social Capital Partners. And for those of you listening at home, that's the international component. They are based in Canada. John happens to be uh, Zooming in from Australia. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: That's great to be here, Brett. Thanks.
2: So we are going to tee this up. And just so that our listeners know, we're going to spend a very focused uh, 20 minutes or so talking about Taylor Guitars and the fi- uh, and the uh, financing but Marjorie and John will both be on different episodes where Wood will we'll have their fuller stories for both of their organizations. So with that, Marjorie, Taylor Guitars, legendary company, employee ownership is thrilled that a company with, with their provenance, if you will, is now part of employee ownership. Could you talk a little bit about the role of your organization and, and, and just how this came about?
0: Yeah, thanks, Brett. I um, I, I know you like to collect uh, employee ownership aha moments, and I, I'm just going to say to start here that this. Pension fund investment in Taylor Guitars, to me, is one of these aha moments. I mean, when the pension fund said, this is a low-risk investment, (laughs) I've told that story several times, that uh, employee ownership is a a going thing, and it's a great deal for investors. So so we'll come back to that. But let me just back up and say, the Democracy Collaborative is... We call ourselves an R&D lab for a democratic economy. So we're in the business of both um, research and uh, and policy and on-the-ground practice showing and helping people understand what would a more democratic economy look like that, that works for all of us and that's designed to work for all of us isn't just sort of regulated into it as part of my work there i'm an executive vice president and senior fellow i've been working for years on employee ownership it's been um uh i, I think a, a hidden secret uh for for far too long it's a proven model These are uh, substantial companies. I I like to talk about Recology in the Bay Area, which is a a couple of, it's like $1.2 billion in revenue. And this is a a garbage and and recycling and composting company. It works across three states. It's a place where garbage collectors uh, who who drive garbage trucks are making $100,000 a year. Because if you're not siphoning more off to absentee wealthy investors, there's more to go around for employees. So I I um I'm just a huge fan of employee ownership and my background as a journalist says well let's just let's spread the news let's let's get the word out there so we publish employee ownership news uh, to 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 spread the word and I'll tell you this recent story about Taylor Guitars has been one of the biggest stories we've ever run because it is this aha moment it says oh you mean you you mean you mean investors can invest in these large transitions to employee ownership this is a very large company and um, a pension fund invested in it. So it's a a tremendous story. It's fun to be here talking about it.
2: I really appreciate that. And it it did not occur to me as we were setting this episode up, and I'm sure you've had other aha moments that the Teller Guitars would be an aha moment. So John, we wanna bring you in on the capital side. Let me tee it up this way. I was, as you know, an ESOP trustee for seven years. I'll just be honest with you, when I hear private equity, when I hear investment funds in the context of me needing the fairness of the deal as a trustee, I've always been under the impression they wouldn't work out together. To be honest, some of my most difficult transactions had private equity. So what makes your investment different and just why is this a good thing?
1: Well, let me say, uh, um, you know, I'll say, let me back up a step and, and, and just talk about how how a pension fund ended up investing in Taylor Guitars. i think i think that's that's sort of helpful here when we first found out about uh, uh, esops a few years ago cuz we're canadian we don't have esops right so so we heard about this thing in the us that had been super successful and, and uh, um uh, these millions of employees who own shares of their company um you know in a in an accessible way right so they don't have to buy the shares they get them for free and we thought boy i mean this is fantastic you know let's find out more about it and what we learned when we dug in was that you know this was great super successful but could be more successful and the thing that was missing was a uh, debt capital right so if you wanted to um, if, if you wanted the owner of a large company who would be attractive to a buyout firm to a private equity buyout firm uh, to instead choose employee ownership uh, there was a big uh, sacrifice they were making in terms of the upfront cash they would get. Right. So so, you know, you get as much debt as you can from a, a commercial bank, but that's not going to come anywhere close to what you're going to get uh, 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 from a private equity firm in terms of upfront cash. Right. Over time, it's the same, but upfront cash is different. And we thought that was strange. Right. Because we've we've you know, looked into employee ownership. We we, we believe in the research. We've looked at it in quite detail. We, we, we believe that it's lower risk. We understand why it's lower risk. We don't understand why the debt capacity of an employee-owned firm ought to be any different than the debt capacity of a private equity-owned firm. There's certainly all the evidence would suggest that it's a lower risk investment in terms of the amount of time it it goes bankrupt. I mean, if you want to look at the grocery industry, it's a wonderful way to to identify the risks associated with private equity ownership versus the risks associated with employee ownership. And so it's okay, well, you know, this feels like a gap in the market. Right. Uh, you know, uh, There ought to be a way for employee-owned companies to have more debt, therefore, from, an, from a third party in a, in, a, in a way that doesn't risk the company, which would allow owners to receive more cash up front, making employee ownership more competitive with private equity. That was our entire you know, thesis. And when we thought about the type of capital it needed, which is long-term capital, uh, which is reasonably priced capital. Uh, which is capital that doesn't require early payments, right? So so capital that can be out for a very long time. It's the perfect fit for a pension fund. Right? Pension fund is is interested in low risk, long-term ret- returns for their members and and so so we thought, boy, this is this is a great fit. The problem is the amount of money that pension funds need to invest. Right. So a pension fund needs to invest quite a bit of money at a time in order for it to work for them because they generally have billions and billions of dollars under management. They don't have enough time to do a five million dollar deal here or a 10 million dollar deal here. They can't oversee it. But there is no debt fund that serves uh, the employee ownership market that's large enough to take a private equity check. Sorry, a pension fund check. We set out to try to find a company that was transitioning to employee ownership or that was thinking about transitioning to employee ownership that was large enough. To receive a check from a pension fund. And we were going to go out and find a pension fund that thought this was a pretty good idea and try to put these things together. And so we started talking to pension funds and we, you know, we walked them through this is how employee ownership works. This is why it's lower risk. This is why this capital is important. And this is why it is great for long term returns for your members. And, And look, you know, it also helps that it happens to produce a great outcome for workers right? Pension funds are the holders of the wealth of the 99%, right? Forgive me, but, um, and and it's kind of ironic. What
2: you've said is, hey, pension fund, solid investment fits in everything that you're trying to do. You're protected, lower risk. And by the way, you're doing a world of good for the employees. You know, it's just kind of funny that that's like the uh, cherry on the ice cream, if you will. You know, that's just really cool. Yeah, for sure.
1: And you know, look, pension funds are have a fiduciary responsibility to ensure they get an appropriate return for their members. That's their number one priority. Uh, in fact, they are not allowed in most cases to receive one penny less than an appropriate return for their members. So so it has to be a and bonus situation, right? They have to receive what 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 they need in order to provide for the retirement of their members, and if they get a bonus, fantastic, because they are they also, you know, the, the, their members care deeply about that. Uh, we were able to to convince three or four pension funds that this was a was a reasonable idea. They would look at a deal if we got one, and then we started working with the employee ownership community to identify a deal. And September of, of last year, September of of, of uh, twenty twenty, um, this deal came across our desk. So we looked at a bunch of deals that you know a couple were pretty close, a, a bunch didn't work, but this one was Taylor Guitars. And we brought it to uh, one of the pension funds where we thought it would really fit. And we said, "Look, this deal is big enough. It achieves the right returns. We will de-risk this for you. Right? We will take the role of of the sponsor in the deal. We we will we will you know kind of help under you understand how the ESOPs work. We'll make sure that the right people are at the table. We're going to co-invest alongside you, so you know that 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 we're in this for the long term and we believe in it." And we will, you know, uh, we'll do all that so that you can take a real strong look at this deal because we think it's perfect for you. And on the on the on the uh, Chartwell side, so Chartwell was the investment bank who brought uh, the Taylor Guitars deal and, and and invited us to the table. You know, they had had long conversations with the owners of this company, and they were dead set against private equity sale. They were dead set against a sale to a competitor, and and all, for all the reasons you would want them to be right? They cared about their employees. They cared about the community. They thought Taylor was a wonderful company. They wanted Taylor to exist in 200 years, right? That's how they talk about it. And they thought there's no way that's going to be true if we sell it to some third party, right? And, and they've seen it in their industry. I mean, I mean, Guitar Centers of America has been crushed by private equity over, you know, kind of more than a decade. So they've seen how that's happened. So I'm, I'm taking too long, Brett. I apologize. But Charwell knew that um, the owners of Taylor would really like the idea that workers are coming to the table to help finance this. And so, you know, the process began in September. It was us. uh, There were other people at the table. Right. So there were debt funds, like large, uh, very large debt funds uh, at the table that that are sort of, uh, you know, kind of traditional providers of debt to private companies. But in the end, you know, the package that we were able to provide in partnership with the Healthcare of Ontario Pension Plan is a wonderful organization, also located in in Toronto, $100 billion pension fund. They had great people at the table. Uh, um, uh, Our money was longer term, more flexible, you know, and uh, and the people at Taylor believed that we would be a better long-term partner for them, that if they needed something that, that we would come to the table because of the values alignment between what uh, Hoop, uh, Healthcare of Ontario, uh, cared about uh, and what Taylor Guitars cared about. And so they chose us. And, and you know, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you one very quick story. Early on, there was a, a meeting between the owners of Taylor Guitars and uh, the uh, principals of, of the Healthcare Pension Fund, plus us. And we kind of stood back and let uh, uh, the principals at, at, at the Pension Fund talk to the owners of Taylor, and it was just—it was just wonderful to see. I mean, they cared about the same things. You know, the 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 long-term success of the company mattered to them. They shared stories, and uh, you know, it just proved the thesis that if you could connect this source of capital to big enough deals in in, in the in, in employee ownership, that we could really grow this sector and create even more wealth uh, uh, for employees. So, so sorry, I took a long time, but that's kind of how it all came together. I appreciate it,
2: and it's important, and, and I see the aha moments coming out of this. Marjorie, what role did uh, your organization have in this? We've kind of gotten the financing uh, figured out, but what role did you play?
0: Well, the Democracy Collaborative played the role of, of basically journalist and I think megaphone. We we think that a key missing ingredient to to grow employee ownership is awareness, uh, information. People simply don't know about it. You can't read about it in the Wall Street Journal every day like, like you can in um, <clears throat> Wall Street loan firms. So our, our job is to find the most interesting news and to, and to get it out there as broadly as we can. So when we heard about the Taylor Guitars deal, we're like, oh, my God, this is one of the best stories that's come down the pike in a very long time. And we were right. So we, we wrote about it and uh, we've put it out there and we've seen just just tremendous interest and as i said i've been able to mention it on a couple different webinars uh, reaching investors reaching progressive business so this is the kind of story that we think really it proves the case it's it is this aha moment and it it shows that employee ownership these are our lower risk businesses these are benefiting employees they're benefiting investors let's let's do, let's do more of this. We have a
2: similar view. So how do we, if I may be so bold, how do we expand? John, you've done uh, capital into the United States. Uh, clearly you have folks willing to talk about and publicize your efforts, but I also assume that we're all coming from the same page that John, your goal isn't to be proprietary. You know, nobody follows no, no. your model. You want to expand it. So, so,
1: so we've got a first transaction, and it's very exciting. What are our next steps? Look, I think the 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 way that this becomes a much bigger deal is if we can break out of the employee ownership community and start to shift deals in the mainstream M and A community. So, you know, you'd want. Uh, there, there would be any number of companies across the U.S. where the owners would say, gee, I know that I have options to sell my company, but I'd, I'd rather not sell to a financial firm. I'd rather not sell to a competitor. What are my options? And you want every per, every advisor to say to them, well, there is this ESOP, which we can look at as well. And right now they don't. There's lots of reasons for that. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of incentive problems in that market. Um, But the more we talk about these types of deals, the more uh, there's an awareness that large pools of capital are available to support these deals, the more uh, those advisors will mention ESOPs as an option. So our job uh, at Social Capital Partners uh, is to engage those mainstream M&A advisors and say, listen, um, for those clients of yours that you've been trying to get over the line for the last five to 10 years who are really struggling with the idea of giving up control, who are struggling with the idea of selling to someone who might resell the company in five or not, not might, who will resell the company in five or six years, who are worried about what that will do uh, to their uh, employees and to the communities where they've operated. Uh, it's our job to get them to say, well, you should look at an ESOL. And we know of this big fund out there who can, and we don't have a big fund, but you know, the objective is there will be not just us, but several, large funds, large enough to receive pension fund money, which means billion dollars or more, whose, uh, whose objective is to provide debt to companies transitioning to ESOPs. We believe there's a market for that. We believe the capital is available, who wants to do it. And once that's true, you know, I think we'll see m and advisors start to recommend it to certain clients who care about this stuff. I mean, there's a spectrum, right? There's a spectrum of, of, of owners of companies who are transitioning from those who don't care at all, who, you know, I'm, I'm going to get out and I want the highest bid and okay, that's fine. Uh, to those who are going to do employee ownership no matter what, who, if, they, if they have to lend the money, they'll do it. But there's going to be a pretty big swath in the middle who would prefer an outcome that is employee ownership, that's community-based, that's going to keep jobs in their community, that's going to keep the culture, um, who don't have that option today. We need to provide an option for those people.
2: Let me ask a question of you, and then Marjorie can answer as well. Boy, like everybody in EO, I have had so many uh, conversations with potential shareholders on why they won't get the, that top dollar. You know, I say wringing every last penny out of the transaction. And as an ESOP trustee, I was the one who inflicted the news sometimes that you will not get last dollar. Yeah. I hadn't really drawn the connection. How much of the decrease in sales value, and, and I'm not even sure if that's right, but how much of that is because of the cost of equity? In other words, if if I as a trustee were approving a transaction, and I didn't necessarily approve the, the financing terms per se, it just had to be part of the deal. But if I approve something with, say, 12% return, well, that's going to fit into the transaction. That's going to lower the cost. Whereas if uh, if I understand that the pensions fund's expectations they've got to make, there's got to be return, but it doesn't need to be through the sky, does that uh, potentially uh, lessen some of uh, uh, the decrease in what the owner might
1: have. Yeah. So, so look, I think the the we believe that straight debt deals will lead to a, a more appropriate uh, capital terms for these deals and allow the the, the transactions to be fundable without uh, being too onerous in terms of of the debt of the uh, interest payments. Right. So, so, what happens in some of these deals is the return expectations of the capital provider in order to get up to the debt level that would get enough upfront capital are incredibly high because they're sort of, they're funded through a combination of debt and structured equity. So suddenly you're looking at teens or high teens returns, very challenging to make that work, right. From a financial perspective, it can happen sometimes, but it's not, it's not going to have that many applications Uh, if instead it was just straight debt. Right. So, so, you know, we're going, we, we're going to go up to a certain level of, of debt to EBITDA. It's going to be a reasonable level of debt to EBITDA. It's one that doesn't, where there's not a ton of risk in the company. The owner is going to have a seller note above that. So there's the feeling that there's a backup in case things go wrong. There you can apply a reasonable rate of return that pays an investor an appropriate uh, interest rate on their debt and is manageable for the company. So, so, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, certainly, you know, we've seen a lot of deals where that's true. Right, where, where without causing any strife for the company long term, without affecting their ability to invest in the company, without affecting their ability to invest uh, in growth, they can transition to employee ownership at a competitive rate. It's not going to work all the time. right? So, so, so you know, uh, we have to accept the fact that there are some industries and some companies where you're not going to be able to match a private equity offer or a competitor offer with employee ownership. That's going to happen. But again, there's this group in the middle where uh, you can't, right? Where where the multiples are going to be sort of in the eight to 12 range, where an appropriately structured straight debt deal will be able to allow employee ownership to compete with an alternative offer. And those are the deals that we have to get. I hope that makes sense. It does. John,
2: our time is running short on your schedule. And I just want to bring in Marjorie one more time. And I'll say again with my expectation that I will reach out and would love to uh, have you come back. But Marjorie, what can uh, you do, someone like me do? What can we do to help make sure that not only does John have more transactions in the future, but other folks like John do this? How do we ramp up knowledge, that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I think that we as investors, and I think even small investors um, like me, can start talking about employee ownership to our advisors, or maybe we have a a church that has a pension fund or um, various options like that. But just to build awareness, I, I think sharing stories like this so that this is taken seriously, this isn't just some, you know, some uh, kooky person with a <laughs> with a big idea. No, this is a pension fund investing serious money in an employee ownership transition. I think building awareness is huge, and there are a dozen funds forming for employee ownership. There are mostly uh, these are going to be open mostly to qualified investors, and that's not that's not ordinary you know, small investors. But I think we'll get there eventually. And I think our job at this point is is to raise awareness and, and spread the good news.
1: Excellent. John, you are the one on the hard stop. Any last words before we uh, let you go? Look, I think what I would say is, you know, we feel incredibly honored to have been part of, of this of this deal. Uh, we know that Hoop feels uh, honored to have been part of this deal. Everyone feels feels really special about it. But I will say we haven't done anything yet because this Taylor Guitars was going to be employee-owned, right? They were committed to it. What we need to do is transition a company that was not going to be employee-owned. And that's really where we make the leap. And that's what that's our long-term objective and where we're headed. A lot of these funds that Marjorie talked about, that's what they're going to go and do. Uh, they're going to do it on smaller deals, which is fine. And not, not just fine, it's great and incredibly important. And so we're, we think it's, it's wonderful. And we have talked to a bunch of them. We are investing in in at least one of them, ourselves. But our job, uh, what we hope to do, is to make the leap so that larger companies that would otherwise have been sold to someone who isn't employee owned, uh, or, or sold, you know, or not sold to to an ESOP, does transition to an ESOP, and that's when we'll really start to shift things. And and, um, and let me just say, uh, being on the phone with you guys, Marjorie, you, I I don't mean this with any offense, but Marjorie, being on the phone with you and and the work that you've done to explain this the way you do, we, we recommend your articles to so many people. uh, You know, when we talk about uh, employee ownership, uh, especially in Canada, where we don't know very much about this stuff, you know, it makes a huge difference and what you, what the work you're doing really matters. And so uh, I really appreciate being on the phone with you, Marjorie, and and with you, Brett, and uh, I look forward to talking to you both uh, again.
0: Thanks, John. It was great, great talking
2: with you. John, thank you very much. And for the record, I'd rather have Marjorie on than myself, too. So uh, I am right with you. John, thank you very, very much. And safe travels when you return from Australia. And very sincerely, sir, keep doing what you're doing. There are a whole lot of us who will do whatever we can, some of it through amplification, others through more concrete stuff. But please let all of us uh, help you and add to your success. You're doing important work.
1: Thank you, Brett. Really appreciate it. Talk right. soon.
2: Bye-bye. I have to chuckle at how this segment ended. I told you at the top that I recorded individual segments with each of them. John joined me first on a Zoom call. Then Marjorie joined in for the combined segment that you just heard. And when John disconnected, Marjorie and I continued to record her individual segment. That's why you may have noticed that I thanked and said goodbye to John, but not Marjorie. I'd like to do that now. Marjorie, thank you also so much for coming on the episode. As I said, before long, we'll have both John and Marjorie's individual stories, and we certainly look forward to bringing you those. If you're on Clubhouse, look for me at EO underscore Brett with one T, and hopefully you'll check out next Friday's minicast, where I lay out my vision for building an employee ownership community on a really cool new app. Although the light seems to be at the end of the tunnel, our country continues to go through an awful lot together. And that's how we'll get through it, together, which is in the best spirit of employee ownership. Thanks for listening. This is Brett Kiesling. Be well.
0: We'd love to hear from you. To contact
2: us, find us on Facebook at Kiesop LLC and on Twitter at ESOP Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email brett at keysop.com, on LinkedIn at Brett Kiesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. This podcast has been produced by the Keysop Group, technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design, original music composed by Max Keesling, archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Keesling. and I'm Bitsy McCann.